Good morning, church. Go ahead and take a seat. So our AC went out this morning. Sorry. But uh, the good news is I'm going to bring my sermon down to 90 minutes today because of that. Okay? Is that, is that good with everybody? <clears throat> and I just want you to know, you know, Jesus didn't have AC. Okay? So just keep that in mind. <laughs> but hey, we're so glad you're here today. It is our Better Together Sunday. Launching life groups after service. Go in the pavilion and get connected because we need each other. God grows us uh, through those relationships. And you can cool down with some ice cream after service, all right? I mean, this is a healthy mid-morning snack, you know? Um, so, uh, so make sure to get, get some ice cream and, and check out our life groups. Um, and let me pray. Father, we love you. We are so thankful for your goodness, for your love, for your presence, and for the wisdom that you are always willing to pour out into our lives. Help us, Father, to learn to receive it, to be attuned to it, and to incorporate it in every aspect of our life. And we pray that we could live healthier lives that glorify you more and more. We ask this through Jesus Christ, our Lord, Amen. Well, today I want to talk to you about this theme of wisdom. But before I get into that, when, when someone comes up to you and they're like, I have good news and bad news, which do you want first? How many people want the bad news first? Yeah, most of us. Anybody want the good news first? No? A couple, some of us? All right. Yeah. I'm more of the bad news too. I'm like, all right, give me the bad news. Let, let me take it. And then I know it's just going to go up from there. And that just feels better to me, you know? And, and so today I've got good news and bad news for you. All right. And I'm going to give you the bad news first, since most of you want it that way. Here's the bad news. Life is difficult. Did you all know that? <laughs> Life is hard. And and your faith in God doesn't remove all the difficulty of life. That's the bad news. God has a purpose in it. God has a plan in it. God uses it for his glory. God uses it. But, but just because you are seeking God and love God doesn't mean your life isn't going to have hard times and hard seasons and hard events. That, that's the bad news. I got a little more bad news for you too. Sometimes we make life harder than it has to be. Can you believe it? Can you receive that today? Sometimes life is hard and you can't control it. Sometimes you and I make it harder than it has to be. Through our decisions, through our attitudes, through our approaches, through, through our habits. And that is disappointing, you know, to ourselves. That's, that's frustrating. Life is hard, and sometimes we make it hard. Now, here's the good news today. God can help us to make life easier. Not easy. Not easy, but easier. You know the difference, right? Not that I, God is going to remove every obstacle and every challenge because, again, God has a purpose in all that. It's part of his eternal plan. But God shows us a way where we can perhaps make it easier. And this is what the Bible calls wisdom. Wisdom is that way that we can weather the difficulties of life better. We can stop getting in our own way. We can live in a way that accords with how God has created life. And things can move forward in an easier fashion. You with me on this? 
And so today we're going to talk about this path of wisdom and, and how to get on it. And we're going to look at the book of Proverbs today. Now, Proverbs is an awesome book of the Bible to read. If you've never read the Bible, I'd encourage you, start in the book of Proverbs. Because it's just these very simple, understandable sayings that are kind of built on top of each other. And it's just kind of a, a, a really great starting point and very, very practical. But the book is all about the pursuit of wisdom, how to do it, what it looks like, and the benefits that wisdom brings to us. So I'm going to read to you six verses from Proverbs chapter 3. And I believe that these verses are kind of a microcosm of the whole book of Proverbs. So you remember like, like cliff notes in school? You know, in some ways, Proverbs chapter 3 is like a cliff notes for the whole rest of the book. It, it gives us a lot of the themes of the book very succinctly. Um, so I, I think that's cool. None of you are impressed by that. I love Proverbs chapter 3. I want you to love it too. Uh, so let me read it to you. My son, do not forget my teaching. Now, a lot of the book of Proverbs is set up as this ancient king Solomon speaking to his son and saying, here's what I've learned. Here's what I know to be true about life. Here's what I know to be true about God. So we have that here. My son, do not forget my teaching. Because one of the challenges of wisdom is that wisdom isn't always flashy. It doesn't always capture our attention in the same way that Instagram does. But here's the deal. We, we can we can lose sight of it very, very easily. Like you've ever go through a moment in life and you're like, wow, I know better than that. That's what, that's what he's saying here. Son, you want to avoid those moments as much as possible. Don't forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments or, or let your heart keep my, my way and approach to life. And here's what will happen. Length of days, years of life, and peace they will add to you. So now he's getting into the, some of the benefits of wisdom. Verse 3, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. I said, all right, I'm going to go there. I said first service, I said wear them like a pair of skinny jeans. And it was, I thought that was good. <laughs> Nobody, second service, not so much. Anyway, uh, bind them around your neck. Um, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord. This is such a beautiful verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, acknowledge God, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Now here what I'm going to say is, is, is a path to wisdom here. But before we get into the path, I want to talk about the, the outcomes of wisdom, what, what wisdom brings to our lives. And just in these six verses, you see this incredible list of what wisdom, the, the value that it adds to our lives, right? And the first thing he says is longevity, that it, 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 it brings a longevity and an increased quality of life. Because the wiser we are, the, the longer it allows us to do the things and be in the places that we want to be, and the more that it accumulates to add quality to our lives. See, I'm learning now, this is, this is a process of, of wisdom. If I want to do anything physical, I need to stretch first. 
It's taking me a, a little while to learn that. But I'm learning that. I'm like, wow, you can survive more if you do that. Longevity. Uh, but wisdom increases the quality of our life. It also brings peace. It brings well-being. Brings a sense of peace. Favor with God and man. And then lastly, in these verses, it says good success and straightening of our life path. Even though we might kind of be swerving all around a little bit in the challenges and the chaos of life, what wisdom does is over time, it straightens the path so that we're getting where God wants us to go. These are the benefits of wisdom. And I don't know about you, but all those sound good to me. How about you, right? We want all those things, don't we? And, and so the author's saying, wisdom is the ultimate life hack. It's the, it's the ultimate way to make life not easy, but easier. It will enable us to weather storms better, to set ourselves to succeed, to connect to God in more meaningful ways, and to have healthier relationships around us. So, how do we become more wise? Let's walk through that. Here's the first thing. If we want to become more wise, we have to attune ourselves to wisdom. If you were to read the whole book of Proverbs, and I encourage you to, 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 to do that, read chapter two, one of the themes that you'll see is that the author says wisdom, it cries out at the streets. It's, it's all around us, all the time. But you have to pay attention to it. See, wisdom's not going to fall in your lap. It's not just going to show up at your door in a box with a bow on it. You have to be in pursuit of it. You have to be attuned to it. You have to be looking for it. Now, it's accessible to all of us, but we have to put a certain level of effort in. And wisdom, church, is not about our IQ. You cannot, you can have a low IQ and still a very wise life. And let's be honest, we know plenty of people with a very high IQ and a very unwise life, right? They're not connected. Wisdom, it's more about your character. It's more about our mindset, our approach to life. It's more about how our daily habits are adding up and what direction they're leading us towards. So attuning ourselves to wisdom. Now, where does wisdom begin? It begins first with the pursuit of God. The author says, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom is first a pursuit of God, a, a reverence of God, a, a desire to say, all right, God, you exist, you care, you're here, and I'm going to begin my approach to life from you and work backwards. You with me on that? And then it's also a pursuit of understanding ourselves, too. One of the things that we'll see in the book of Proverbs is that so much of wisdom is pattern recognition. Pattern recognition. Here's what I mean. You could probably hang out with me for a short period of time and very easily and accurately point out where I need to grow where I need to be better. It's not that hard for, for you to see it. If you spent like two weeks with me, you know, you'd be like, yeah, you know, here's what Chet's good at and here's what he's bad at. And here's probably the, the steps he needs to take. Wouldn't be that hard. Here's what is hard about life. It's so much more difficult for me to see it. 
And I could hang out with you for two weeks and probably fairly quickly be like, all right, you know, this is kind of the patterns that I'm seeing and I could lay it out. And, you know, you'd be like, is that really true? And you would have a resistance to believe it. But it is really true. We can see it in others, but it's so hard to see the patterns in ourselves. You with me on this? The wise person gets that. And the wise person is trying to say, all right, what are the patterns in my life? How can I learn from them? And I'm not the exception to some of the things that I think I am. Right? The wise person isn't, isn't looking and saying, well, you know, getting in debt, I know that doesn't work out for most people, but it's going to work out okay for me. Right? They're like, no, no, I'm not the exception. The problem is we always think we're the exception. Right? We always think it's going to be different for us. But the wise person says, no, I'm going to look at the patterns and I'm going to understand them. And if you take time to look at the patterns of your life, like maybe there's been the same problem that comes up no matter where you are. That's a pattern that can turn into wisdom if you attune to it. Why do I always have this type of problem with people? That's a pattern. If you can look at, if you stop saying, well, it's got to be them. If you, if you start looking at your patterns, you can find wisdom there. You with me on this? But the wise person, they are attuned to wisdom. They, they are looking for it. They are open for it. They long for it. And today, do you long for wisdom in your heart? Do you long to be wiser? Or do you think you pretty much got it figured out? Because that will keep us from the path of wisdom every single time. The wise person says, I don't have it figured out. I'm constantly learning. I'm constantly trying to grow. I'm constantly trying to see things clearer and clearer because I know even though I think I have 20-20 vision, it's blurry right now. I can't see it, but I just have to believe it because I'm a work in progress. You with me on this? That's the heart of the wise person. Now here's the second thing. They fully embrace merciful love and faithfulness, or just what I'm going to say in a very simple way, consistency as two chief virtues of life. So the author says, bind steadfast love and faithfulness around your, your neck. Wear it. In other words, like prize these values, these virtues, whatever we want to call them, prize these above others because this will put you on the path of wisdom. And let's talk about those for a minute. Let me talk first about faithfulness here. So much of life, church, so much of the change that you and I want in our life can be found through one word, consistency. Some of you didn't receive that right now. Let me say it again. <laughs> one word. This is one word. Okay, this is faith. I know faithfulness. That sounds spiritual. Let me put it simple. Consistently. That's what it means. Faithfulness. One word. That one word has the power to change a lot of our lives. You're not going to grow in your relationship with God by coming to church once. You're not going to grow in your relationship to God by looking at one Facebook Bible verse with a pretty background. You're like, oh, that's nice. It is nice. But you're not going to grow 
into who God wants you. You need more consistency. You with me on this? You, you need that, that small progress, and it can be very, very small, that small progress every single day. And here's the amazing thing about faithfulness, church. It adds up quicker than you think it does. And many parts of our life that we want to be different today could be different one year from now through a little bit of effort every single day. Right? Our marriages, if we want them better, guess what it needs? Faithfulness. Consistency. One day every two years isn't going to cut it. That's not enough. You need to invest a more consistent effort over time. You with me on this, church? Do I got to keep beating this dead horse? Y'all going to give me an amen once in a while or something? Because I'll just keep going. But faithfulness, it's a game changer in our life. And every one of us has the power to be faithful. Every one of us can show up and just take, just take little baby steps towards growth. And the beauty of our relationship with God is God takes that effort and he multiplies it over time. And we can grow in ways that we did not truly believe were possible. But it comes through this quality. Here's the other side of it. Be faithful to the people in your life. Practice it in your habits, in your approach to life, but be faithful to the people in your life. Hey, if you do what you say and show up when you're going to show up, you're ahead of 85% of the people in the world, right? Faithfulness is what we need to practice. It's also what we need to bring to our relationships. Are we a faithful person? Are we a person that people can rely on? Because if not, then let's work on it. Because that's going to make life easier. Not going to make, take all the heart away, but it's going to make life easier. Now here's the next, next word, is steadfast love. Now this is a, a significant Old Testament word. It's a word that, that defines the unique love that God has for each of us that isn't built on our performance. It's not built on how well we did last week spiritually, but it's built on the character of God. It's this word that's kind of hard to define, so you'll see it enduring love. You'll see it as mercy sometimes. You'll see it as steadfast love, as loving kindness, because we just can't quite put it into all the components of it into English well. But it represents all those things. And it's this idea that I have to realize, steadfast love, I've got to wear it. I've got to remember that at the end of the day, I am a product of God's love, of God's mercy. You are a product not of your environment, not of your upbringing, not of the sum of all your experiences. Yes, have those influenced you? Yes. But ultimately, you are a product of God's steadfast love. That all the blessings, all the potential in your life, all the hope in your life originates from that reality. And here's what that means. God loves us today out of the richness of his character because of the work of Jesus Christ for us, and that love is eternal and unchanging. On your worst day, God's love for you doesn't go down. On your best day, it doesn't go up. It's maxed out today because of his loving kindness. And, and living from that place produces humility in us, and it also produces well-being. If I'm a project of God's merciful love, I can't ever get too arrogant, right? 
Because I'm a pro- God had to give me mercy. He had to love me despite my junk, despite my brokenness. And so I got to be humble. But I also have to realize that I can't be self-hating because God does love me. God does care about you. Your life matters. If the majestic, almighty God loves you and sent his son for you, man, you're, you're pretty important to him. Not that he needs you, but he wants you. You with me on this, church? And so it, it changes our relationships. And it changes how we see ourselves. And if, you, if I were to put steadfast love into three words, I would use these three words, forgiveness, grace, and perseverance. Forgiveness, grace, and perseverance. Forgiveness, grace, treating people better than they deserve. Perseverance, enduring, not giving up too quickly. And what I would say is if you bring steadfast love to the relationships that are struggling in your life, they will become better. Some of us, we need to bring forgiveness into the picture. I know you think if you forgive someone, you're setting them free. Here's the reality. When you forgive someone, you're setting yourself free. And you need that. And they need to be forgiven too because God has forgiven us. You bring that into some relationships today, it's going to make those relationships better. So we need to bring grace We need to treat people better than they deserve. Why? Because that's how God treats us. And that gracious spirit is going to change so many things. And we need to persevere. You know, things don't change overnight. I wish they all did. But the most important things and the most important relationships in our life will take endurance, will take perseverance, healthiness, well-being. It takes time. And we have to give it time. Here's the third path to wisdom. Trust in God with all our heart. Now, I've heard Christians talk about verses like this, and they talk about trusting God as irresponsibility. Right? I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to make any plans. I'm not going to be wise. I'm just going to trust in God. And, and kind of what they, the way that I interpret it is like, I'm just going to be irresponsible and expect God to cover my irresponsibility. That's not what real trust in God looks like. What I think it means is that in the deepest parts of my heart, I am expecting God to surprise me with his goodness. In the deepest part of your heart, what are you you looking out at life, and, and what are you expecting to see? See, sometimes when we're in a bad spot, we're looking out at life and we're just expecting the next shoe to drop. We're expecting to be surprised again by the difficulty and the ugliness of life. But what trusting in God with all our heart means, it means at the end of the day, I believe God really is good. God really is powerful. God really is going to work in my life for my good and his glory. And even in the darkest moments of my life, I'm going to expect to see his goodness some way, somehow. See, sometimes we think we're trusting in God, and we're actually just trusting in what we think God should do. And those are very different things. People have said to me, Chet, I trusted God. I prayed for this. It didn't happen. And now I don't trust him anymore. And what I always say is you weren't trusting in God. 
You were trusting in what you thought God should do. That's very different than trusting in God. Trusting in God means, God, I'm going to suggest what I think you should do, but ultimately, I trust you because you might do things differently than me because you're the infinite God. You're a lot smarter than I am. And haven't we all experienced it sometimes? God did it way different than we would have done it, but it was the right way. And it was the right time. And we're thankful that he did. Trusting in God is saying, I trust you, even when I don't understand, when I can't see. And I am looking to be surprised by the goodness of who you are. Trust in God with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. That's the fourth one. Acknowledge God in all our ways. I read a story this week about Alan Mulally, who He took over Ford, and Ford was doing horribly. They weren't losing money, you know, just on, on a really, really bad path. So he decided to make this meeting every week with all the top executives, and they would come to this meeting, and they would have... Uh, on their little slides, a red light, a yellow light, or a green light. Green meant everything was good. There's no problems. Everything's happening the way it should be. Yellow was, eh, we got some things, but we're working on it. And red was, we got some problems, and it's slowing everything down. We don't know what to do. Uh, we're stuck. And so at that time, the culture was very, like, cutthroat. And, uh, and, and people were always worried about losing their jobs and looking bad and stuff. So his first meeting, he goes, and everything is green. Every department, every green. He's like, okay, I get it. They're a little, like, scared to break the ice and say, hey, we're struggling. Next meeting, everything is green. Next meeting, everything is green. Next meeting, every, and finally he said, hey, guys, we're going to lose $17 billion this year. Not everything is green. We clearly have some problems here. What are they? If we don't know what they are, we can't do anything about it. And finally, after meeting after meeting, the guy who was running the Ford Edge division couldn't get this part, and it wasn't going to release in time, and it was going to be this big failure. And so finally that day, he went to the meeting, and he put red up. Everything else is green. He's got this little red there. And everybody was watching like, okay, what is going to happen? When do the guards come in, take this guy out, clean out his office, you know, give him a flat in the parking lot, whatever. And, and so they, he's got the green, he's up, and all of a sudden, in the silence and tension of the room, everybody hears, I'm so glad there's a problem we can figure out here. And, and they began to realize that he wasn't there to ax them. He was actually there to help them solve problems and to move things forward. And slowly but surely, the culture began to change and they could address and work through and talk through their problems and help each other. And things got better. Now, I think sometimes many of us have that, that heart towards God. No, I got to act like everything's green all the time. I got to come into church, you know, I got to act like it's all good. I got to work, I got to act like it's all good. In, in my relationship with God, I, I got to act like it's all good. I got to figure it out. But, but here's what I want you to know. You can bring your issues and your problems to him. And he is not going to cast you out. 
Acknowledging God, it means like, look, Lord, I got a lot of red lights in my life. There's a lot of things not working the way they should. I'm to blame for about half of it. But Lord, I need your help. And here's what you will hear. Applause. God's saying, thank you. Thank you. Now I can begin to heal that in you. Now I can begin to forgive that. Now I can, can begin to give you the wisdom that you need. And we can acknowledge it all to God. The scriptures say, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse them from all unrighteousness. Bring your junk to God. Acknowledge him in everything you're going through. Invite him into all your messes and you will find help and wisdom that you need. And then lastly, if you notice in these verses, there is that call to constant humility and teachability. Lean not on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Be not wise in your own eyes. See, the wise person is the person that is teachable. And can I tell you that sometimes God's wisdom is not going to come to you in some, you know, angelic sounding voice in your kitchen. But many times God's wisdom and voice is going to come through the person sitting next to you. Can you hear it through them? Can you hear it through other people in your life? Or are you the person that is always right? Are you the person that, that can't, no one can tell anything because you already got it all figured out? The wise person is the teachable person. Say, man, I don't have it all figured out. There, there's, I don't even know what I don't know sometimes. But I want to learn, and I want to hear, and I want to grow. I've told you, church, about the Dunning-Kruger effect. It's that the people who have the strongest opinions about something are usually the most incompetent ones. That should scare us a little bit. Think about your strongest opinion today. What does that say about you? It probably means that's the area where you're most incompetent. right? People that like really know their stuff, they're usually you know, much more open-handed with their opinions and perspectives. You know that? The people that just are absolutely dogmatic many times are the ones no one should be listening to. The problem is everyone knows it except them. And so we have to be humble, church. And we've got we've to be skeptical of our own perspective. And we have to hold things with an open hand. Right? I know we all have opinions about everything. And I'm just like that. I'm the most opinionated person I know. But you know, I need to hold them with humility. I need to hold them with, with openness. Otherwise, I'll miss wisdom. I'll pass it up. I won't be able to receive it, and neither will you. How teachable are we today? Can people speak into our lives? Even if it challenges us, even if we don't like it, will we be open to seeing and hearing and discerning if there's wisdom in it. Because many times, church, that's how God will bring it to you. One of the reasons that we're doing life groups is because I believe that can help us to hear the voice of God in our own lives. Good men and women in this church can be part of that channel 
of God's wisdom to you and for you. And it's a beautiful thing. And we need that. If our life is just an echo chamber where everybody we, we talk to agrees with us and sees it all the same way, that, that's probably not a good thing. We, we need to be challenged sometimes. We need different voices. We need to, to learn things for the first time. That means we're actually on the path to wisdom. Now, one last thing about wisdom. Allie, she, I think it was either an early date, or maybe it was like the first year of our marriage, but it was very early on. We went snowboarding, and I'm not like a great snowboarder, but I can make it down the hill most of the time, and, and so she, she'd never snowboarded before, and so I was like, yeah, babe, just, you know, put on the boots, put on the board, and go on down. That was my instruction, basically, and, uh, and she was like, well, like, can you like teach me and explain it? I'm like, that's all I got, babe. I, you know, gravity, you'll go down just fine. Don't worry. Uh, just put the boots on and go. And kind of since that moment, it, you know, there's, that's been a theme that she always calls me out on. She's like, you always just say like, okay, go figure it out. I don't know. Anything, anything we're doing, you're like, just go figure it out. And believe it or not, church, she doesn't like it. Can you believe that? I was like, yeah, that's, that's all I got. I don't know. You know, put the board on your feet and, and go down. And for some reason, and maybe you can help me explain it to me after service, but she's not helped by that. It's not like, okay, just go do it. Go figure it out. And I think sometimes, church, in our frustration, sometimes we see our relationship with God that way. We're, we're drowning in life. We're overwhelmed. And sometimes we, we think in our heart, like, yeah, that's what God's just saying, figure it out. I don't know. And we get frustrated and we get lost and, and we get discouraged. And what I want you to know today is you have an incredibly generous God. He's generous with love. He's generous with help. He's generous with wisdom too. The book of James says, if any person lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously without reproach. And today I know that each of us is probably facing some situation that's beyond us. And God is not looking to you and saying, okay, figure it out. I don't know, figure it out. Go down the hill. God is not looking at you and doing that. We have a God who will generously give us the wisdom that we need. Not only that, he will patiently walk with us in it. He will help us to actually practice the right path. He, he will walk with us every step of the way. I want you to know the heart of your God today. You are not alone in the confusion. You are not alone in the challenge, in the mess. In church today, if you will seek him, if you will open your heart to him, you will find the help that you need. Let me pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your grace, for your mercy, for your wisdom. That, Lord, you just say, just ask, just seek, and you will find. And, Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are here. Some of us, maybe we're in moments of life that just are beyond what we can know and comprehend. And, Father, I pray that you would just give us the blessing of divine wisdom. I pray we'd be open to receive it from wherever it's coming from, whatever channel you decide to use. And I pray, Lord, we could see that you are 
gracious, compassionate, but you are infinitely wise too. And I pray we could worship you for your wisdom. We could be strengthened by it. We could be ennobled by it. And your name could be glorified. Bless these good people, Lord. Help us with this. In Jesus' great name we pray, amen.